Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly, and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. We're building this series of just asking the question, what would it look like to restart or start for the first time our faith journey? And again, everything has a starting point. You have a starting point. I have a starting point. Some of us were started on purpose. Some of us were accidents, but we're glad that you made it anyway, right? Like there's a starting point for everything, including faith. And so we've been wrestling through this by the way, not that there's anything wrong with like a, a childhood starting point for faith, right? That's not, there's anything wrong with that. In fact, it's really, really good sometimes for some people, but some of you have stories where you had a childhood starting point of faith, um, and either it was uh, kind of disillusioning, or it kind of fell apart, or as you grew up, it didn't grow up with you, and so there's some gaps that started to develop, some unanswered questions, and you were told maybe just to believe it a little harder, or don't ask those hard questions, and so, you know, we have some gaps that happen in the faith journey that we are trying to address in this series, so I hope that it's going to be helpful for you um, as, as we're creating this space. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus in the room, and a part of the City Church community, I don't want you to miss the why behind this series. The why for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, is to better equip you in your own faith journey. Because even if you're a follower of Jesus, you can still have gaps. You can still have like, what ifs, and how do I answer that, and what do I do with this? But at the same time, we, we want to equip you in your own personal journey, but also to, to equip you to live out and then be able to share your faith with, with others without feeling like, you know, there's these big gaps of like, oh, I can't share that because they're just going to poke holes in it, and then it's all going to fall apart. So part of it is equipping you as a Jesus follower to live out, embrace, and also share your faith. The, the second part, if you're not a Jesus follower or you're like kind of just wrestling with where you land on the whole faith journey in general, regardless of your background, this series is, is meant to be a tool for you to equip you with the tools to, to then kind of wrestle with faith and, and maybe come to a solid answer for yourself. Like, man, what do I believe and why? And so as we get into the series, before we, before we kick off today's text, I just want to kind of build some thoughts that I had this week. And I, I don't know how your week has been, but my week has been a, a little crazy. Um, and you and I live very busy and distracted lives, right? Some of you were like, huh? What'd you say? <laughs> Right, exactly, right? And, and, and we live, a couple of different reasons we live busy and distracted lives. Part of it is the world that we live in, the, the world of Instagram and social media and Facebook and all of the constant bombardment and the Netflix binges and now Disney Plus is rocking it and you have so much to catch up on. We have, we have a, a constant bombardment of busyness from the outside, but on the inside, I think there's also this piece of me, I, this might not be true for you, but there's this piece of me that likes to be busy because the busier that I am, the less I have to wrestle with what's going on on the inside. As long as I have something else to put my hand to, there's this next thing to move on to, then, you know, I might be able to, you know, say I'm sorry in the conflict I just caused, but kind of move on and not think about it anymore. Or I might not have to wrestle with the insecurity that I'm wrestling with on the inside, or, or that family drama going on over here, or the financial stress that I have. I'm just going to swipe that credit card and not think about it. Right? We live busy lives, partly because we don't want to wrestle with and acknowledge what's going on on the inside. And I had one of my coaches tell me this. He said that one of the reasons that in, in the Christian life specifically, the, the disciplines of silence and solitude, of getting quiet and getting alone with God, one of the reasons those are so challenging for us is we don't like what we find when we get quiet. 
because it's unsettling and it's frustrating and there's things inside of us we're like why am I thinking that way and doing those things and why and we have all these things that kind of run a race and so again I, I don't know what your week has been like I don't know you know what's going on in your world as you walked in today um, but what I do know is that you and I have a chance right now and you made the conscious decision to be here, whether that was, you know, someone bribed you or you, you ended up here on accident or, you know, you thought this was Dunkin' Donuts and you're like, oh, crap, you know. Like, I don't know how you got here. But as we're here in this space, there's an opportunity for us to kind of step back from all of the busyness and focus on one really big question today. And so today I'd like to, uh, to pull us all into a question that I think we're all wrestling with on the inside anyway, but maybe we can create some space to really wrestle it to the ground. And that question is this one right here. What? can wash away my sins. And all of us are wrestling with this question to some form or degree, even if you don't use this word. What can make those feelings of guilt and shame go away? What can undo some of the mistakes that I've made? Even if you're not a particularly religious person and you don't want to use that word, right? We all have a form of this that we wrestle with. How do we undo some of the stuff in our life that is causing internal turmoil and maybe external turmoil. Maybe it's in the past and it keeps haunting us, keeps following us into our next thing. How do we undo some of that? And, and again, maybe if, if you grew up in and around a little bit of a faith tradition or you, know, you kind of grew up around the Christian church or whatever, if you have a little bit of a faith background growing up, then maybe as a kid you were taught to pray and ask God to forgive you of these things right here. Right, but it's kind of interesting, right? Because when you think about like childhood faith and then adult faith, like as you grow up, this thing right here gets bigger, doesn't it? Like, what was it when you were a kid, right? Like, when you're, when you're taught to pray, like, if you were ever taught, like, hey, you know, ask God for forgiveness or whatever, what are you asking for? Like, oh, I had a bad attitude today. You know, I stuck a bean in my nose in kindergarten, and I should have done that. The teacher told me not to. I took an extra cookie when I wasn't, allowed, you know, I wasn't supposed to. I, I lied, right? What, what is it? I mean, right, the things that we're asking for forgiveness for are kids. I mean, they're pretty, they're pretty small and minuscule, and we can kind of move on from them at times. But, but then as we grow up, these things grow too, don't they? All of a sudden, it's, it's, not, it's not, oh, no, I took a cookie. It's like, oh, I deleted the cookies off my computer so no one knows what's going on, right? Like, our, our stuff gets bigger. And we're like, uh-oh, right? And I'm not going to dig too far. <laughs> okay, so don't worry. We're going to stop right there. But as we grow, these things get bigger. And, and here's what's in- interesting is regardless of your faith background and your religious journey and all that stuff, um, these things of, like, guilt and shame, they follow us around, don't they? Like, like th- sometimes they feel religious, but at the end of the day, you, you remove yourself from any kind of religious expression, and guilt and shame are still there. They still follow us, and they still show up. And what's interesting is it's partly what's been done, like, like by us, by our hands, by our mouths, by our minds. You know, we have some things that we're, like, not proud of. And then the other side is sometimes it's what's been done to us, or what's being done to us, or, or what we can't get away from, or, you know, something in our childhood, or something that our boss did, or something that a significant other did, or something that our friends said. And there's this two-way road of like guilt and shame that attaches both to our story and the story of others. And you know what's funny about like the guilt and shame conversation is some of us, so some things in your story and some things in your life, like it's embarrassing, right? You look back at your story and you're like, yeah, that was embarrassing. But you know, when you're sitting around the water cooler, I don't know who has water coolers, by the way, when you're hanging out at the Rayback, sharing a beer, whatever you're doing, and you're sharing stories, right? All of a sudden, sometimes parts of your story, it's embarrassing, but you can share and kind of poke fun. You're like, oh, you think that's bad? Guess what I did? Right, we have some of those, don't we, right? And it's kind of funny to like look back and laugh at just your stupid self. And then there's other things in your story that are just never going to be funny. There's other things in your story you just hope never come up. You hope no one ever asks that question. You hope that you don't have to go there. You, right, you try to avoid that name, that place, 
those people, you go around that street, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you block them on, on, on social media. There's some things that you just hope never, ever come up. And, and here's what's unique, again, regardless of how you chose to deal with it in, in your spiritual journey, is when we get to this stuff, at some point, I think we also get to the place that we're like, we're just going to try to bury all of, our, all of our guilt and shame in like the, the sea of humanity. You know, we're like, oh, it's just because we're all human and we all make mistakes. And so we have stuff like, oh, well, I was just young. You know, we, we make these excuses. I was just young or, or you know, I, it was just one time I was drunk or I was young and drunk, you know, and that's extra excuses, right? Or, you know, oh, like, oh, I was just angry and it, you know, it was, it was, I didn't mean for that, I didn't mean to say that, it just kind of came, or you know what, I, w- I was lonely, and you just don't understand what was going on, what was happening, oh, you know what, I was broke, and you know, if you were in my shoes, and you know, I just didn't, I didn't know any better, right, we're really good at making excuses, and you know what's unique about this list, I mean, it could go on and on, I'm sure you got better ones than I do, um, but the reality is, all of this can be true, and it still doesn't go away, Right? Like, I mean, this can be a total, like, I mean, absolutely, it can be true, but then it still follows us around. And, and you know what's funny is, again, it's not every day, right? I mean, you know, because we live busy lives and we have a lot of stuff going on. Maybe things are going really good for you, like they are for me at times, right? Some weeks I'm on top of the world, things are amazing, I got no problems, and then all of a sudden, right, it pops up. And I'm like, dang it, what are you doing here? <laughs> No one, no one invited you to show up and make me feel this way. And so at the end of the day, I think the issues that we're wrestling with, and you can fill in your own story like I'm sure your mind is doing right now, or you can just stand there and judge me. That's fine too, whatever you feel like you're comfortable with. Um, but as we, as we wrestle with this, at the end of the day, you guys need to know like on Sunday mornings, these are really just opportunities for me to confess to you what's going on in my life, right? So I know that you have problems like I do, but you know, maybe you can be an encouragement to me today. So at the end of the day, I think we have this issue of forgiveness that we're wrestling with. Um, and, and again, don't, don't think externally. I think it's like at first, can I forgive myself for the, some of the things that I've done? Can, can, I, can I get over and undo some of the things that I've said, some of the things that I've thought, some of the things that my hands and my feet have gone to? Or, or you know, can I get to a place to where I, that, like, I can just relinquish that and, and it just goes away completely like it never, like right, how do we undo that? We can wash this stuff away. Or I think we might also be wrestling with this idea of like an, an indebtedness. Right, we like feel in debt to others, like, oh man, I just, I just owed it to myself to do that differently. I owed it to myself to be a better husband. I owed it to myself to be a better wife. I owed it to myself to be a better employee. Or, or there's an indebtedness from the other side, like, like I, you know, that they owe me. <laughs> they definitely owe me. We got lots of debt in the room from others, right? But also we look at our own story and we're like, oh man, like I, I owed it to my kids to show up more consistently. Or I owed it to my parents to show up this way. Or I owed it to myself not to, you know, make that purchase, <laughs> and now I'm regretting it and paying it off on monthly payments or whatever it is, right? We have these things, these, these debts that we feel as a result of what's going on in our lives. And we're asking, what we're looking for as we look at our stories is like, how do we wash some of that stuff away? Like some of that stuff that's not that funny, that we hope no one asks about, it's never gonna be you know, a good bar joke. How, how, do we, how do we get to the place where, where that stuff doesn't bother us anymore? And, and a couple weeks ago, we wrestled with the tension of, of the difference between, like, mistakers and sinners, right? Like, like, Jesus talked a lot about us being sinners, but we don't really like that word, so we, we kind of volley for the, the word mistaker. Like, we're all good. Like everybody in the room has made, made some mistakes, right? All of us, we can raise a hand, because everybody, like, you know, we want to make sure, hey, no one's perfect. I'll make mistakes, but the second that we move into the sinner category, we're like, mm, I, don't, I don't like that word. 
Because the second that we start talking about sin, if if we're willing to acknowledge that that maybe, you know, some mistakes are just bigger than mistakes, right? Like, how how many times can you make a mistake and and it still continue to be a mistake? Like, a mistake assumes, like, inadequate knowledge. A mistake is something that you and I can go back and correct. But what about those mistakes that we we make on purpose? Those mistakes that we keep going back to? At what point do they stop being mistakes, Right? We look at politicians on the TV when they call, they, oh, I made, a, I made a mistake. And they've been making it for four years. <laughs> and you're like, you know, I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure what you call it, but I'm not sure it's a mistake anymore. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, what do we call that stuff? But then if we, if we move into the category of sin, it makes us really uncomfortable. We don't like that word. Partly because it, it creates ownership, right? Like, because it's not anymore, I, I can't point fingers at, I mean, your sin, I guess I, I could, but it's not really where the category moves me, Right? But really what happens is when I start talking about sin, I have to own that it's my sin. And you know what that does? It makes me feel guilty and ashamed. And so then we go in this like, you know, roundabout thing of like, this, as soon as I acknowledge it, I feel worse about myself. So why do that? That's not helping anybody. And so we have this constant circle of like, and how do we get, how do we get some of this stuff off of us? Is there anything that can wash that stuff away? And listen, we're adults in the room, right? And so, so this is not going to be some cliche conversation of just like little help-isms and self-help section in Barnes & Noble for you. Like we're going to have an adult conversation today about what it actually looks like. And the, and the reality is it's not a simple answer. And you probably know that because they're not simple problems. And so is there, there this way for us to make up? I don't, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we, we move into the category of maybe I can make up for it. You know, okay, I can't make it go away, but maybe, maybe I can, you know, redirect and self-correct. And if I start climbing the integrity ladder and I start, you know, succeeding in these areas and I get into a healthy relationship rather than an abusive one and I, you know, do X, Y, and Z, I, maybe I can just kind of progress my way out of those things. And if you're like me, you probably tried that. And if you're like me, you probably realize that that only works for a little while. And so again, we ask that big question, is there anything we can do? So I'm going to ask you to consider this big, enormous idea today. And again, no matter where you are in your faith journey, just, just kind of embrace with me. Is it possible, this big, enormous, just crazy idea today about how to, how to handle some of this stuff? I'm going to invite you into that. So I want you to evaluate just for a minute. Think about this. Every faith system on the planet, you know, outside of the Christian faith, every faith system, we talked a lot about that over the series, every faith system offers a solution to our dilemma. Right, this, this forgiveness thing, this indebtedness, this, you know, make things better. Every faith system on the planet offers a solution to the things that we're struggling with. And, and maybe you've tried some of them, right? Like maybe some of you have either grew up in different faith traditions or you tried your hand at multiple ones and you tried to get all zen and, and you know, try to figure that part out. And, you know, maybe some yoga and some stretchy pants will help. I don't know. What is it that's going to help me out? And so you try different things. And maybe even some of you in the room, you have tried the Christian thing to deal with this. And it, like it still didn't work. Every religious system offers a solution, but here's the deal. Listen, this is amazing. There's only one person who has ever, listen, in in the history of humanity, in terms of recorded history, there is only one person who has ever shown up and said, "I, I don't only have a solution to your problem, but I am the solution to your problem. Only one person in the history of humanity has ever showed up and said something radical like that. There's lots of solutions to our problems. Jesus is the only one who ever showed up and said, I have a solution, and you're looking at him. 
And listen, at that moment, I mean, some of you are on this, you're in this space, you're wrestling with it, and you're like, he's either crazy, you know, a, a total lunatic, lying, or maybe there's something to pay attention to. I mean, it's got to be one of, the, one of those, right? I mean, you can't just ignore it altogether because it's too crazy for that. It's too big for that. And, and if you're like me, you're like, man, I've tried a lot of stuff and it hasn't worked so far, so maybe, maybe we give Jesus a chance in this space. And so again, as we wrestle with today's story, I'm just going to invite you into a, a, a space of wrestling with the big picture here, of could Jesus be the solution? Could he really have something that we haven't found before? And there's this guy named John, Jesus' best and closest friend on the planet. John records for us a couple of different things, and we're going to look at that story today. And he tells us about this guy named John the Baptist, okay? Not Baptist like super conservative, you know, church denomination thing, but John the Baptist, ba- Baptizer is what he was known by. And he's like taking people out to this river and dunking them, and it's super awesome. And so John the Baptist shows up, and, and he, he's doing something that no one has ever done before in the history of Judaism, okay? John the Baptist is down at the Jordan River, and he is baptizing people in the Jordan River. And, and here's what's unique. Baptism was already, like, well-known. It was something that you would do, especially if you were, like, changing religions or you, you know, you're shifting your belief system, that you would go through a ceremony of washing. And this, this baptism was kind of like your transition into a new faith, if that makes sense. And so this was, like, pretty normal in Judaism. But then John is out there. You know, baptism was something you would do yourself. You would go wash yourself. But then John is out there in the Jordan River, dunking people himself, right? He's putting his hands on people, bam, bam, right? People are like, this is crazy. And here's what's amazing about John as we, as we look at this story. Look at what Mark tells us. He gives us this un- unique little like, perspective. It says that as John is out there, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Right, Mark, Mark gives us this little clue that every, you ever been to like a party or like, you know, you're going to something and you're like, everybody's going to be there. You know what I'm talking about? And like, not everybody's going to be there, you know, you know, but like a lot, like most everybody, a ton of people are there. I, I think we see that in, in Mark's language here of hyperbole, like, okay, it's not every single resident in the region, but we're talking thousands of people, right? This isn't like five people hanging out around John saying, woohoo, <laughs> you know, I and mean, this is thousands of people showing up confessing their sin, which is already a little weird, and they're being baptized by him in the Jordan. And, and again, as he's baptizing them, it, it's kind of a unique thing because we're talking like 20 to 40 miles from Jerusalem to where John is. So it's not like this, hey, you guys want to run down to Pearl Street real fast and go check out this crazy guy named John who's baptizing people? You're like, I might have time today. No, this is like an all day and all night trip to get to where John is. You're like, man, what would compel thousands of people to come to where he is. And again, he's weird, right? You can read more about John on your own, but like he kind of dresses funny. He's been in the wilderness. He's got this unique, like he wore like camel's fur. He ate like bugs, you know, locust and honey, which, you know, if you go to the right candy shop, you can find that stuff still. But, you know, it's not normally people going out of their way. I mean, he's just a weird dude. And on top of that, it's not like he's being nice, right? There's not like, you know, a, a kick in it for them. He's not like, hey, do this. And you, you know, you can win a new car. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not out there with any promotion. He's like, you all suck. You know you're terrible people. You should come get baptized. <laughs> and people are like, yeah, he's right, <laughs> right? I mean, like, how, how in the world do we get there? Here's, here's what's interesting. And, and you need to know this is that for John, John the Baptist, this is not just a Bible story. We talk about this often. It's not just a Bible story. This is historical narrative. And so not only do we see all four Gospels in the New Testament talking about John, but Josephus, one of the, a non-Christian historical writer, 
talks about John. Muhammad would later write about John. I mean, John's a real dude in history. All this is really, really happening. It's up to you and I what we're going to do with it. But it's amazing to see, like, the historical facts come together, that this is a real dude out there doing something crazy. And, and again, he's so compelling that all the religious leaders look up. They look at thousands of people out there getting baptized by John. They're all in line. Kids are crying. You know, it's the whole crazy, you know, Apple's releasing a new iPhone kind of, you know, woohoo! It's that kind of crap. And, and then all the religious leaders are like, what the heck? <laughs> like, this is the biggest crowd we've ever seen in our lifetime. I mean, no one right now draws a crowd like this, right? N- none of us. As, as awesome as we all are in our religious leader-esque you know, suits here, no one has done what John is doing right now. And so then they ask the question, well, are, are you the Messiah? Right? Are, are you the one sent by God? I mean, they're trying to figure it out. Like, maybe, maybe this is the guy. I mean, check out his crowd. And look at what, what, what John says in John chapter 1. John responds. He says, I'm baptizing with, with water. You, th- you think I'm something? John says, I'm baptizing with water, but among you stands one you do not know. And in a second, he's going to be talking about Jesus. And, and, I, and you know, I think maybe literally, right, he might be looking right at Jesus as he's looking at the crowds too. He's saying, among you, you think I'm awesome? You think my messages are awesome? You think what I'm doing is awesome? There's someone here. He's the one who comes after me. The straps of whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. You think I got a lot of followers on Instagram? You think I'm a big deal? The guy standing here with us, I'm not even worthy to run his admin accounts. <laughs> I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to pick out his wardrobe. Right? John's saying, man, you think I'm something. Just wait. And, and again, he's saying some hard stuff in the moment, which is kind of unique. I mean, you think about that, like, there's, there's this, this is value in religious experience. I don't know about you guys, but for some of us, like, we've been so trained by religion, and I use that very loosely. I don't think Jesus was religious, um, and we can talk about that more on another time, but I think sometimes religion so trains us in guilt and shame that we, like, look for that experience, right? Like, we, we, uh, people are there, and, and John's just kind of calling them out, and they're just feeling guilty and ashamed, and they're loving it, right? And you're like, man, anytime I feel guilty and ashamed, I just, it just must mean I'm close to God, right? Like every time I go to church, I just kind of go to feel bad about myself. It doesn't change anything, but when I feel bad, I feel kind of justified in going back out and doing the things I want to do, you know what I mean? So I go to church, take my legs, feel bad, and then I go do my thing, right? And that's, that's kind of why they're there with John in the moment. And, and there's people everywhere, and look what John says in verse 29. Just one day, middle, middle of baptizing, people everywhere, there's a huge line, he stops. He says, look, Hold on, look, look. And in this moment, he stops everything. Look. You and I sang a song earlier, and you might not realize the significance of it until what we're about to walk through. The Lamb of God. He says, the Lamb of God. And people are like, looking for a sheep. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know they are. They're like, where is it? Is that lunch? You know, they, they told, they're not, they're not going to get it at all, right? Look, the lamb of God. And, and, and the Greek context here would be the kind of like the, the lamb that God has sent. And I need you to get it. Listen, you wouldn't know this on your own, but for 1,500 years, they've been sacrificing lambs in the Jewish religious tradition. For 1,500 years, they have been sacrificing lambs to deal with sin, their stuff. 
And, and, and you know this, and I know this, and in the back of their minds, I think they knew this, that the blood of animals can never be the equivalent of, of the blood of a person. Like the blood of animals could never deal with our stuff, but for them, they had this tradition that they embraced. This tradition where they were dealing with sin, and basically, anytime there was sin, anytime something happened, something had to die, something had to pay for that offense, that debtedness. And because there had to be a payment, they had this kind of system set up with the lamb. And, and in that moment, what, what's happening as they sacrifice the animals, they're saying, hey, we, we recognize we deserve a consequence. We recognize that with our sin, with our stuff, there's a deadness that follows. We recognize, they would say, that, that we deserve to die for our sin. And then in that moment, as they sacrifice this animal, what they're doing is they're saying, this, this is not payment, but it's a reminder. God, thank you for not squishing us like a bug. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's where they are as they wrestle with this payment. Kind of like this animal in our place is wrestling with our, and they, I'm not asking you to believe that. I'm just saying that that's, that's the tradition that they were embracing. But I need you to understand this, this language. Watch what happens next. He says, look, the Lamb of God, again, which they're familiar with, who takes away the sin of the world. And the takeaway literally means to pick up and carry off. So that stuff that won't leave, that stuff that we carry around on our backs, that weight that kind of follows us around, he says, look, the Lamb of God. And what he's pointing to is this ultimate sacrifice from God, right, that, that this tradition could never accomplish, God is now doing. Look, the Lamb of God who, who picks up and carries off, who takes your stuff and dissolves it, removes it completely, forever. John looks up and says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, the stuff, the mistakes plus, he takes it away, picks it up, carries it off. The sin of the world. Jewish sin, Roman sin, American mistakes, <laughs> your sin, my sin. Look, everyone's listening, right? leaning in, and they have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> They're like, okay, can you baptize me now? Like, that was great, little story, thanks, let's, you know, let's move on. And they have no idea. And there, there's Jesus, and he shows up on the scene. And then Jesus keeps showing up, and he's drawing some crowds. You think John's crowds were big? Everybody's like, dang, this guy's got some crowds, and they're watching Jesus, and they're skeptical, and they're amazed at the same time, and they don't really know. He's got all these followers going on, and Jesus has this whole thing going, and people are following him, but they're still not sure who he is. And then, at the end of Jesus' kind of three years of running and doing miracles and raising the dead and doing amazing things and turning water into wine and all, all the amazing stuff that Jesus does, he's sitting at dinner, the Passover meal, which we talked about last week, which you can go back and, and check out. He's sitting at the Passover meal with his disciples. This is something they celebrated every year. This is to remember that God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Right? This is a big tradition, kind of like our Christmas, right? Every year or Thanksgiving, right? We have these traditions. It's a big, big deal. And, you know, Christmas is, you know, if you're a Jesus follower, it's not just, you know, a holiday. It's Jesus' birthday, right? It was Jesus' birthday. And Jesus, in that moment, he's sitting down with his guys at Passover, and they're doing the normal Jewish remember what God did for Israel. And Jesus looks at all of them, bread and wine in front of him, and he says, hey, listen, from now on, when you celebrate Passover, I don't want you to think about that stuff anymore. From now on, I want you to think about me. 
And in this moment, Jesus asked to do, them to do something that is just absolutely absurd. Wait, wait, wait. You want us to, 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 to not celebrate God taking us out of Israel from slavery in Egypt? Right? It'd be like me showing up and saying, hey guys, listen, for Christmas this year, instead of celebrating Jesus' birthday, I want you to celebrate my birthday. Okay, this year it's about Drake. It's Drake's birthday, December 25th. All of you just, we're going to celebrate my birthday. You're like, you guys, you're just crazy. 100% crazy. You're getting coal in your stocking. That's what you're saying, right? You're like, no way, dude. And, and Jesus is asking something just absolutely crazy from them. I want you to remember me. And that evening, he has the bread and the wine. And he says, hey, this is my body. It's to be broken for you. And they, they still don't get it. This is my blood. It's to be shed for you. And again, they still don't get it. Lamb of God, all that stuff is kind of floating around, but they have no idea. And then after that, I think they kind of look at each other and they're like, that was weird. Is that weird to you guys? Yeah, that was weird. You know, but he did raise somebody from the dead and he did make some really good wine. Let's keep following him, right? Like they, they don't know. They don't know who he is. They have not figured it out yet. And then that evening, he's arrested. And that evening, they all lose hope. They all lose faith. They all bail. These super courageous, awesome 12 dudes stick it out with Jesus no matter what. They're all gone. And then Jesus is beaten. And his blood is shed. And he's nailed to a cross. And he's lifted up. And he's mocked. And there's this interesting detail. And I don't know if you knew this. But when, when it comes to crucifixion, the primary way that people would die from crucifixion is through suffocation. Right? They're suspended in the air. Unable to breathe. They'd have to push up on their, their feet, which had a nail through it, in order to breathe, and then let back down to relax. And so the primary way that they would die is through suffocation. And if they were taking too long to die, we see this detail in the Gospels, the Roman guards would come around and they would break their knees. They'd break their legs so that they couldn't push up anymore, so they'd hurry up and die. And the Gospels give us this interesting detail that Jesus didn't die by suffocation. But Jesus bled to death. When the Roman guards came around to break Jesus' knees, they realized he was already dead from the amount of blood loss. And again, all this is pointing back. And there's this imagery for the Jewish people that you and I don't have of the Lamb of God and the sacrifice for sin. And now Jesus' blood has been poured out and poured out and poured out to where he died from blood loss. And so then you and I look at that story and you say, why, why did all that happen? We ask the question, what can wash away my stuff? And there's this old school song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And, and again, there's this invitation. Jesus says, you, you have some problems. I'm the solution. So what can, what can pick up and carry off? I can distract myself. I can be a really good person. I can do a lot of good stuff for the rest of my life to try to make up for what I've done, but that doesn't really take care of or make that stuff go away. What can actually pick up and carry off? What can take care of that stuff for me? So 20 years later, there's this guy who is doing everything he can to shut down the Christian movement. He's killing Christians. He's you know, sacking churches, and he is aggressive against the Christian faith. And then he meets the resurrected Jesus becomes a follower of Jesus, becomes one of the primary leaders of the early church. His name is Paul. And in Colossians 2, look what he says. And as we're closing with this, I'm going to invite Daniel to come. He's going to play for us, and then we're going to continue to worship. But listen to what Paul says in light of our conversation. He says, when you were dead in your sins, when you were stuck in your stuff, 
when there wasn't any hope of how to pick up and carry that stuff off, God, Paul says, made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sin. Having canceled the charge of our legal, there's our word again, indebtedness. Which stood against us and it condemned us. He has what? Picked it up and carried it off. He has taken it away. Nailing it to the cross. He has canceled the debt. You know, you know, one of the reasons that there's this guilt and shame that follow us, it starts to hit kind of heavy. This is stuff that like, you know, you're like, I'm not even sure why I feel bad about that. At some point, our, our debt, it kind of catches up that there really is a debt because of our sin. That our relationships are hindered when we sin against one another, and our relationship with God is hindered because of our stuff. And nothing you and I can ever do can take care of that stuff, right? Because we keep trying and it's not working. And what Paul tells us is it's nothing but the blood of Jesus that can cancel our debt, that can make us right with God, with ourself, and with others. So if you don't get anything else today, I need you to get this. I don't know what your story's been like. I don't know how heavy it is. I don't know if we opened up some wounds. I don't know, I don't know where you are. But you don't have to forgive yourself, which is sometimes where we feel like we got to go. And if I could just get over it myself. You don't have to forgive yourself because yourself has already been forgiven. That's what Paul is saying. A couple of, uh, of months ago, Maddie, one of our staff, she, she said that we don't have to beat ourselves up because Jesus already took the beating for us. In the same way, we don't have to forgive ourselves because ourselves has already been forgiven. It's already been paid for. And so Jesus shows up and he says, I am the solution to your problem. The question is whether or not we embrace that. We're willing to trust in that outrageous invitation and claim. And so you might ask the question, you say, okay, that's great that Jesus died for my sin and pick it up and carry it off, but like what happens when it comes up again? Maybe you're a Jesus follower and you're like, yeah, that's great. I already gave my life to Jesus, but it still comes back. Let me give you some insight. Here's the easy part. Is when that stuff comes back up, instead of our guilt and shame and failure haunting us, we turn our eyes to God as a good father. We go back to the cross. And those memories, what they do, they point me in that stuff, all that stuff that I have, it needed to be forgiven. And in Jesus, guess what? It has been. And so rather than guilt and shame just pounding me into the ground, trying to be a better person, trying to get my stuff together, I can go back and it serves now as a memory of God's forgiveness and his love for me, his grace for me. I don't have to go back and feel bad about that because it's already been picked up and carried off. And sometimes if that stuff comes back up, you know what you need to do? You need to say it out loud. Jesus picked that up and he carried it off. It's done, it's forgiven, it's over. The Lamb of God, his blood was shed for me so I don't have to pay that debt. 
And so you and I don't have to carry it around anymore. We don't have to carry guilt and shame around trying to earn our way out of the indebtedness that we feel. This is not an invitation to do something today, which we're really good at. This is an invitation to trust someone today. That's all that we're asked to do. The question is not whether or not forgiveness is available for you and I. The question is, have you received it? Have you received it? Has there ever been a moment, one decision in your life where you say, God, I, forg- I receive what Jesus did for me. The single act of faith, literally to trust that Jesus was who he said he was and he can do what he said he would do. And so listen, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but as we're walking through this series, this is one of those restarts where it starts in the right spot. And if you have never taken a moment to receive the forgiveness that Jesus died to make available to you and to me, then I'm gonna give you a very simple, like, pray after me prayer. And listen, this isn't a magical prayer. My words aren't special, okay? I didn't grow up in church at 15 years old. I had heard this story over and over again. I'd heard this invitation over and over again. And the best I knew how, after church on a Wednesday night, I went home, closed the door in my room, and I prayed what I'm about to share with you. It wasn't fancy. It wasn't full of magic words. It was just real and authentic of, of, I want that, (laughs) Whatever that is. So let me, let me give it to you. And if you're ready, listen, if you're in a place where you want to make, you want to receive that forgiveness today for the first time, then you can pray this in your heart and your mind. You can pray it internally. You can whisper it under your breath. It goes something like this. Heavenly Father, God, I believe when, you, when, when Jesus died, he died to pay for my sin. I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. God, I I can't pay for it myself. But you said you can. And so today, I'm placing my trust in what you've done for me through Jesus. In that space and in that prayer, you can have confidence that you have received the forgiveness that Jesus died to make available. And maybe right now in your own heart and mind, you need to say it just out loud so you can hear yourself say it or think it. God, I believe right now that you just picked it up and carried it off. God, I believe in this moment you just picked up my stuff. Dare I say it? God, you just picked up my sin you carried it off. I believe that today. And then maybe you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe you started that today, and you might pray on your own, God, help me remember, right, when guilt and and shame, when they creep back in, help me to stop and turn that into a thank you, that you've already picked it up and you've already carried it off. So here's some next steps for you before we sing and before we take communion and things like that. Some of you, your followers of Jesus, And your next step is baptism. Baptism is the outward expression of our internal decision. Baptism is my wedding ring to my marriage. It's a symbol of my relationship with Danielle. Baptism is the external expression of what Jesus has already done internally. And if you have never been baptized after giving your life to Jesus, that's your next step to celebrate externally what Jesus has done internally. And if you're interested in being baptized, we're doing it today in the Greek, and you are absolutely welcome to jump in with us. It'll be something you'll never forget because it's going to be so cold. (laughs) It's going to be amazing. And if if you're like, yeah, I want to get baptized. I'm just not yet. I'm not ready. Check it on your connection card. Let us know. 
If you want to get baptized today, come find me. Happy to sign you up. Right, but what's your next step? Maybe it's not baptism. Maybe it's, it's letting God's forgiveness working in your heart th- this week to where you kind of like cultivate that relationship. Maybe it's, it's letting that trust and that love draw you back into relationship with him that you're going to create some space daily to spend time with him. Maybe it's letting that love and forgiveness so fill you that it's compelling you to invite others that the same forgiveness you have, you have a desire to share with other people through the way that you love and you serve. And so maybe God wants you to invite someone or pray for someone. I don't know what your next step is, but I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to invite you as we sing these last couple of songs to, to reflect on what God's been doing in your own life and take those steps, okay? So let me pray for you. You bow your heads and close your eyes with me. This is just a moment of privacy for you. As you bow your heads and, and hearts in this moment, God, we just want to lift up this space and say, man, do whatever you want. For my friends in the room who prayed the prayer with me for the first time, for my friends in the room, that asked you to forgive them, to pick it up and carry it off for the first time, would they have confidence today that they are now a part of the family of God and that heaven is celebrating? And so are we. For my friends in the room who are struggling with their next steps, struggling to to make a decision for any number of reasons, God, would you give them confidence today through your spirit to trust you and take that step? Jesus, we give you the rest of the space this morning. I ask you to encourage and empower us. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.